0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk.
1: Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today's topic is timely tax tips. We're getting down towards the end of the year, and there's some things you can be thinking about tax-wise before the end of the year. So with me today, I have certified financial planner, Kelsey Banke. Welcome, Kelsey. And we have prepared a few tax tips for you that we think are going to be important for you to know. All right. One of the things that I just want to say is that there was a new tax bill that was passed. And part of the confusion about it is that since there's so many new pieces to it, people don't really know how it's going to affect them. So we certainly can't tell you how it's going to affect you as a listener, but we can tell you some provisions of it that have changed that we think are going to be just important for everybody to really understand. So Kelsey, kick us off. What what do you want to talk about first?
2: Well, I think the biggest one, and, and people might may or may not be aware of it, but the standard deduction has increased for just about everybody.
1: Right. Quite a bit. It's yep. quite a bit. It's almost double for most people.
2: Mm -hmm. And so I think the goal of what they were trying to do with this change is reduce the amount of people that were filing, um, Itemized, mm-hmm. and not only is it a lot of cost for a person to file itemized, but then it's also a lot of record keeping you have to do, and there's a lot of uh, fact checking and things like that. I'm sure the IRS does. So, to simplify, you know, a, a large number of the the deduct or the filings out there by just simply doubling the standard deduction, that's going to move a lot of people into a standard filing instead of a itemized filing. Right. So think about
1: that. That's that can be a a thing that affects you positively, potentially in two ways. Number one, if you were itemizing your deductions before and the only reason to have done that was because your itemized deductions were going to be bigger than the standard deduction. If they were just a little bit bigger, then you're actually going to get a bigger deduction now with this higher standard deduction. Boy, we're saying the word deduction a lot. (laughs) But the um, other thing about it is if you no longer have to file more of a long-form tax return, you can do an easy filing if you're not going to do the itemization, then the cost of your tax preparation is likely to go down. So it can really be a double benefit for you. So... With that in mind, you're not really going to know if you're going to itemize or just take the bigger standard deduction until you do your taxes this year and see which one's bigger for you. But hopefully, for most Americans, that one change is going to save them some tax money.
2: Yeah, obviously, if you were just barely above the standard deduction before, that's going to probably be a big benefit for you mm-hmm. unless a lot of things change really changed. Um, If you were right at the top of where the standard deduction is now, you might not be seeing as much benefit from this change.
1: Right. But if you didn't itemize at all, you just got a big fat extra deduction, Mm -hmm. which is awesome.
2: Yep, (laughs) This really um, went to help a lot of uh, people who are filing in the lower tax brackets. It really did. Yeah. Now, the other
1: thing, speaking of tax brackets, then, is that your tax bracket may have changed. So, With the way that things are going to lay out with this new tax law, the bracket numbers have shifted, but because your standard deduction is so much bigger, it might push you down into a lower tax bracket. Or if you are up in the higher echelons of earnings, you might actually be in a higher tax bracket. So most people who are earning income are going to have a positive benefit for that. And the people who are going to have a negative impact are some of the top income earners. So if you're earning more than like $420,000, then um, you're probably going to see an increase in your actual highest tax bracket. But most other people are going to see some level of decrease, which is awesome.
2: Yeah, and this um, this is where you need to be paying attention to what you're withholding at your uh, jobs, mm-hmm. so what's coming out of your paycheck every single um, time is going to be impacted by where what bracket you're anticipated to fall into, um, so keep, keep aware of that. This is, you know, uh, there's so many things changing this year that um, it really is going to be hard to understand exactly where you should be um, for taxes, but... Uh, just keep in mind all these little pieces come together to make the, the whole puzzle.
1: Right. So the tax tip to think about when you do file your taxes next next year is this. If you're getting a big refund and you haven't gotten one before, you probably can go change how they're withholding that from your, your weekly paychecks. If you owe a bunch of taxes and you haven't owed before, you may need to increase what they're taking out. But you're really not going to know that till you do your filing. So keep that in mind. All right, a couple of things that are major changes is that um, we're, when we talk about alimony and then the health care bill. So we'll tackle those two things next. So it used to be that if you were paying alimony to your ex-spouse, the person paying it got to deduct that, and the person receiving it had to claim it as income. Starting in 2019, that is flip-flopped. So if you enter into a new alimony arrangement starting next year, the person who's paying the alimony is the one that has to claim it and pay taxes on it, even though they're giving it to their ex-spouse. And a person receiving it does not have to count that as taxable income.
2: That's a pretty big shift. Big shift. Um, in, in working with people that are, are going through divorces and trying to figure out that property settlement and the alimony and the all, you know, the, all of that stuff. Um, you really need to understand how this is impacting you from a tax standpoint because it really could shift parts of the puzzle on that For as sure. well. Because now if the payer is paying taxes on it, it's 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 a shift. Just trust me on that. Um, so it doesn't seem to be impacting anything that's a current alimony arrangement. However, if you go negotiate changes to your alimony arrangement, um, it, it seems like that would be then putting it under the new rule. So keep that in mind as well. If you're trying to change how much you're paying, it mm-hmm. might not really be in your favor <laughs> to, make to change, change it unless it's a really drastic change in payment.
1: Yeah, and for sure you're going to have to talk to your attorney about that and ask him mm-hmm. about the tax impact of making those changes. But one of the things I've heard from some attorneys is they're trying to push people to get their arrangements completed and done in court this year. Because the new tax law doesn't actually take effect until next year. So for those of you listening, if you're the payer, you might have some incentive to try to get it done sooner. And if you're the one that's going to receive it, you might have some incentive to drag your feet until next year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the, the other thing that I mentioned, though, was the health insurance change. So inside of this bill that the tax changes did, it said that the penalty that Americans have to pay for not having health insurance coverage is going to go away. So when the Affordable Care Act came into being, they added a tax that basically said, if you don't have health insurance, then you're going to have to pay a penalty. And the penalty is based on either a fixed dollar amount or it's a percentage of your income. Okay, that is all going away. Now, while that's nice, that it's been eliminated starting in 2019. One of the things that that does is it um, it really starts to crumble some of the primary tenants of the whole Affordable Care Act system. And the Affordable Care Act was built upon the idea of everybody's going to have health insurance, so it spreads the cost out. And if you don't have health insurance, we're going to penalize you on your taxes, which is going to make you probably forced to go get some health insurance. But if you take away the penalty, it may undermine the whole Affordable Care Act system, which means our health care is going to go through another evolution. And there's no fix out there yet for it. (laughs) So... Who knows? But what what that does mean is that if you're thinking about getting some coverage and you're trying to decide, do I want to look now or do I want to look later? It might make you think you want to look now and get something locked in before this tax change happens next year to uh, make sure you've got coverage and you can find some.
2: Yeah. And I think the important thing on all of this is it's a completely changing uh, piece of our our system, so stay tuned for more information. I'm sure we'll have another show on on all of this um, in the next calendar year.
1: Yes, I'm sure we will. <laughs> you can't have a show about money and not be talking about taxes from time to time. <laughs> all right, another um, change that has happened, just for people to be aware of, is that mortgage interest is still deductible; it's just a different amount. Okay. So before the tax bill was passed, there was a ton of speculation about whether or not this would get changed and what would change in it. And basically what happened is that they changed the amount of the mortgage interest that you could deduct. So before, if you had a mortgage and it was capped at a million dollars, so if your mortgage was more than a million, you couldn't deduct the interest on anything over a million, but you could deduct the interest on up to a million and what they did was they reduced that cap down to 750,000. So if your mortgage is above 750, then you're not going to have as much of a deduction anymore. If your mortgage is below 750, it's really not any change for you. However, going back to that same thing that we were talking about earlier, you may not deduct your mortgage interest anymore because if your standard deduction is high enough, and your mortgage interest isn't high enough for you to itemize, you may not claim that mortgage interest. You'll just take the higher standard deduction. So again, it's a swing factor as if that mortgage interest is going to be a deductible thing for you going forward.
0: Congratulations to Mary Sturk and the team at Sturk Financial for earning a spot on two Forbes lists, Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors and Forbes Top Women in Wealth for five years running.
1: Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about timely tax tips to think about before the end of the year. All right, so we have a couple of things that might help you with current year tax planning that we want to talk about. One of the things that we recently did a show on, but if you missed it, you can go back and listen to it again. It's on streams off of our website or on iTunes if you want to find it. But we talked about the concept of doing something called a donor-advised fund. And a donor advised fund is used when you want to supercharge the amount of charitable deductions that you're doing in a tax year and be able to have the flexibility to then give the money to charities spread over time instead of all right now. So think about it like this. Kelsey, you could give money to a variety of charities this year and actually complete the gifts to them and they get all the money right now and you get the deduction, right? Mm Mm-hmm. However, if you use a donor-advised fund, you can give all of that money into a donor-advised fund. And then you could cho- choose to give to the charity, some in 2019, some in 2020, some in 2021. So you can spread the gifts out over time once the money's in the donor-advised fund, but you get 100% of the tax deduction this year.
2: Yeah, this this type of account really has a lot of play for people that have charitable intent. A lot of play. I I mean, there's just multiple, multiple uses of this. Um, So I guess one of the big things that plays into this show is one of the best ways to think about getting the most tax benefit in a a single year is, you know, a lot of times it makes sense to combine your deductions into a single year. Mm -hmm. So um, prepaying some expenses in December for the next year that might put you above that standard deduction or put you well above that standard deduction and keep you in a a better tax bracket. This can be used for that. So maybe you have intent of donating X amount of dollars this year, X amount of dollars next year, X amount of dollars the year after that, but this was a big income year for you. Well, it might make sense to throw all those next three years worth of contributions into one tax year through the donor advised fund, you can still dole them out to the charities in those years that you had planned or for projects that they had planned for the future, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but you get to get the the tax benefit in the current year. So
1: Now, there are some limitations to it. So you can only contribute up to 60% of your adjusted gross income for a charitable deduction if it's cash. And you can only go up to 30% of your adjusted gross income if you're donating highly appreciated securities. So if you have stock that's got a lot of gain in it, you can put the stock with the gain into the donor advised fund, but it changes how much you can put in. But the, the thing about these that's really cool is, as Kelsey said, if you have a big income year, let's say you sold a business. Or let's say that you um, had a distribution from something that you normally wouldn't have. Whatever the the or a big bonus, let's say you had an awesome sales year and you had a big bonus or whatever, then you might have a need for extra deductions, and this is one of the most beautiful ways to do it. You might be someone who gives to your church every year, so if you just take the next five years of what you're going to give to your church, you can deduct them this year and still dole them out to your church over five years.
2: Also, leading into retirement, you know, if you're if you're going to be retiring, um in the next couple of years, and your income might significantly go down, dropping you into a much lower tax bracket potentially. Um, that charitable deduction might not mean as much to your income mm-hmm. in a few years, and it could mean a lot more value financially to you now. You, again, you can still pay it, you know, give it to the church every week if you yeah. want. Uh, <laughs> it just allows you to be more in, uh, intentional about how it h- helps your taxes. Right.
1: Now another thing that we would recommend is that you do some tax planning with your investments. So many, many mutual funds will throw out capital gains towards the end of the year, and capital gains in non-IRA accounts could be a taxable event for you. So once you know what your capital gains impact is, you might wanna look through your portfolio to see if you can sell anything else that has a loss on it to wash out that tax impact. We call that tax loss harvesting, um, and it's that you're going out and taking the losses in something to offset some type of gain in something. There's an art to it. There are certain things that only offset other things, so it's not just easy to just say, I'll buy this and sell that. It's something that needs to have an experienced tax eye look at it, but tax loss harvesting before the end of the year is a strong thing to do if you have larger pools of non-IRA investment money. Okay, another um, thing that we want to talk about is spending all of your flexible spending account.
2: I love flexible spending accounts. They are um, a really great way for you to get some expenses out of your taxable income um, by utilizing plans that your employer can offer. But flexible spending accounts do... uh, have to be spent in the year that you are contributing to them, use it or lose it. Yep. Use it or lose it. So there might be some amount of rollover, you know, a couple hundred dollars, $500, or you might get to include expenses up to two months after things like that. So know what your rules are at your plan. But if you put money into those, um, you want to make sure you're doing everything you can to spend. That's your money. Don't leave it on the table for somebody else. Um, or for it to just go away. So for example, we put money in a flexible spending account. Um, and I told my husband, I said, get to the dentist, get to the yeah. eye doctor. <laughs> I'm getting to the eye doctor, you know, cause we thankfully knock on wood have had a fairly healthy year, um, for, for all of us. And so now we're coming to the end of the year and we have this big chunk of money that if we don't spend it, it just goes away. So now's the time to go get those things, um, you know get the per- the extra pres- prescriptions filled get you know the glasses things like that that cool you- prescription sunglasses there you go <laughs> <laughs> um so to spend that money that is yours that you had set aside in a smart way for both tax purposes and health planning so
1: Now, if you haven't been to see your CPA and you are a high income earner or a business owner, then for sure you're going to want to look at doing an end of the year tax analysis to see if you should spend money on some other things, whether they're vehicles or purchases of other types of, you know, investment related things for your business. For sure, you need to be looking at that and doing that in a timely manner. But for those of you who are not business owners or entrepreneurs that could get some big ticket deductions like that, you also could be looking at what your total contribution has been to your retirement accounts to see if there's room for you to throw more into there. So sometimes what people will do, and this is only if their employer plan allows it, they'll go in and they'll change the amount towards the end of the year that they're contributing to try to throw more into there and try to max it out. So don't forget that that's a good way to bring your tax bill down if you're putting it into a pre-tax plan. Okay, the last thing we want to talk about is saving your medical receipts. This is a little bit of a change with the way that the tax laws change too.
2: This one actually changed in favor of the taxpayer. Um, Yeah, that doesn't always go that way. But um, the amount that the threshold you have to meet before your medical expenses are deductible was lowered. Um, So it went from 10 percent of your adjusted gross income down to 7.5 percent which uh, depending on your income level is is a pretty significant change. So if, if you have had a lot of, of medical costs, and this is one where you, you really should pay attention because it doesn't necessarily take a big event necessarily to push you over that mm-hmm. threshold. But it, if you have to doctor a lot and you're paying a lot of copays and you're doing a lot of those kind of things, Um, Any unreimbursed medical expenses can fall into this category. Um, And so pay attention. Maybe you didn't do enough work to have all that data for this year, but definitely pay attention for next year um, to see if that's something that you would be able to deduct um, from your income.
1: Absolutely. All right. We hope these tax tips have been timely and valuable for you. Come see us about an end-of-the-year capital gains review and to look at tax loss harvesting or to talk about the donor-advised charitable funds to see if that could be a deduction for you before the end of the year. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Sterk.
0: The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results no strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.